Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Blog Talk Radio. Have you been forced fed milk by your preachers and teachers? Have you been crying out for the meat of the scripture? Then you have come to the right place. Extreme Exegesis with Matthew Miller. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. I am your host, Matthew Miller. Today we're going to be discussing a very important news item that has been recently released. The Temple Institute on September the 4th released this into the news. On the 17th day of the month of Elul, 5778, that being August the 28th, 2018, a perfectly red heifer was born in the land of Israel. The red heifer candidate is being raised and specially cared for under the auspices of the Temple Institute's Raise a Red Heifer in Israel program. They go on to state this, that the red heifer brings the promise of reinstating biblical purity to the world and the rebuilding of the Holy Temple. With this in mind, I'm going to tell you what I and some rabbis have been discussing behind the scenes, something that you could not see. This heifer was born on August 28, 2018. If you know your bridal history, you'll take note that on this day, on the Hebrew calendar, the 17th of Elul, that is historically when Noah dispatched the dove. So just so we all understand, this is following the failed attempt to dispatch a raven from the ark. Noah sent a dove from the window of the ark to see if the great flood that covered the earth had abated. But the dove found no resting place for the soul of its foot and returned to the ark. Noah waited seven days before making another attempt. This is key critical, ladies and gentlemen, because it was exactly seven days later that this red heifer was inspected. That's why they released it on September the 4th. Let me tell you about bridal history on that day, which to you and I was September the 3rd. That is the 23rd of Elo. This marks the date. When the dove brings the leaf back to Noah. On the 301st day of the great flood, Noah sent a dove for the second time from the ark. This time, the dove stayed away all day. The dove came to him in the twilight. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. And Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. As a side note, 
I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you also need to understand this. It was on the 23rd of Elul that on a sunny fall morning, Islamic terrorists hijacked four commercial passenger airplanes. Two were crashed into the Twin Towers in Lower Manhattan. A third was rammed into the Pentagon, the Washington, D.C. headquarters of the United States Department of Defense. The last plane was intended for Washington as well, but crashed into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, after its passengers tried to overcome the hijackers. In total, almost 3,000 people died in the attacks, including 227 civilians and 19 hijackers aboard the four planes. It was also the deadliest incident for firefighters in the history of the United States. Known as 9-11, the events of the day deeply affected the American approach to security and diplomacy, instigating the global war on terror. So ladies and gentlemen, to the Kabbalist, this is extremely important. Now, I want to take note that none of the other supposed Christian news sites has tied these events together. But I'm going to come at this from a purely biblical perspective, because when I look at the red heifer, I also see the Assyrian false prophet. And I'm going to share with you why. But I also need to relay some technical data to you. In my last teaching, I was explaining to you the binary nature of the Bible, God's Holy Word. First and foremost, it is binary in that the Hebrew is true and the Greek is true. That is to say, the Old Testament Masoretic text is true, and the Old Testament Septuagint is true. Number two, each of these languages are alphanumeric in nature. Neither of these ever had Arabic numerals, that is to say, ones, twos, and threes in the text, not ever, because every single letter is, was, and has always been numbers. So when we go to the total canon, that is the Old Testament. The New Testament, as I shared on my last teaching, the Greek side is the Adito Regia. The Hebrew New Testament comes to us via Franz Delich. I strongly suggest that you study that for yourself. I take note the people that edited, and it was edited 11 times. You need to strongly take a look at that. I didn't cover the Hebrew canon because of excessive information. The teacher must be mindful not to produce an information overload in the mind of the student. So, with that, we are going to start this study Hebraically. 
we're going to look at the Hebrew side of that Bible source code. When you take a look at the word red heifer as it appears in the book of Numbers chapter 19 and verse 2, you have to come to grips with this. You have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that the Strong's is set off of the jots and the tittles added by the Masoretes. That is to say, they are cantillation marks and diacritics of how they think you should pronounce the Hebrew. No one on this planet knows how biblical Hebrew is pronounced. The foremost experts on this planet, even Orthodox rabbis, will tell you the Samaritans, of which there is less than a thousand left of them now, they probably have the closest pronunciation to the original biblical Hebrew. Even in that, they state they know it's not perfect. What the Strong's does with this in order to give you different words is they give one word multiple, and I do mean multiple entries. Multiple entries. And most people do not understand this is the mechanism at work. They do not realize those jots and tittles are not to be followed. So when we take a look at this verse in the Hebrew, it's really quite shocking what you find. Because, ladies and gentlemen, here the words for red and heifer are extremely important. Because it literally also says, man-cow. That's what it states. It literally states, man-cow. The thing that you have to realize here, ladies and gentlemen, is that the word that you see in your Strong's for red is Adam. It is. It's the exact same word that is used for, of course, the first created man, Adam. It also means red. So, in your Strong's, all they do with H119, all the way to H124, is put different jots and tittles on those letters. This literally says, man-cow. Let's take a look here for heifer. You will take note. That this is H6510, but there's something extremely strange about it, about this particular entry. You have to wrap your mind around the simple fact that this contains an olive prefix. Because of that, that makes this word feminine. So when you look at this phrase, red heifer... It also says, man-cow. It's not the first time that the Hebrew does this. 
And when you come to grips with what's being stated, I'm going to direct everybody's attention that this is exactly the same thing that happens in the Greek in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. There are two separate entities mentioned here. The KJV reads as such, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. These are clearly two entities revealed here, because not only does the Aditya Regia, in the last phrase, state that, well, it does state son of perdition or son of destruction, because those are the Greek words G5207. For son, hieros. And it's obviously masculine. However, the destruction part, or perdition, G684, ladies and gentlemen, that's in the feminine case. It's feminine. This is exactly what the Hebrew Bible source code does as well. In this verse, it literally states son of destruction or son of perdition. But you'll take note that the Delich translation once again does something that technically can't be done. Yet Delich did it this way so that you could see what was going on. And like I stated, the Delich translation, you have to understand... Not only was it edited 11 times, but the people involved are doing that. The foremost experts on the planet before modern Hebrew was even made up after the institution of the modern state of Israel. You need to understand that every Orthodox Jew that has ever accepted Christ and been saved has done so through the reading of the Delich Hebrew New Testament. With that in mind, we take a look at this particular word that's being used for the destruction. And it is absolutely off the charts where it comes up. The first time that it is used in this way is 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 20. When you take a look at that, Ladies and gentlemen, this is Abad, what you know most popularly, the root for Abaddon. It means to perish, to destroy. However, here, once again, it has a prefix. And ladies and gentlemen, that prefix, you just have to come to grips with the simple fact that this prefix makes this word feminine here. This is why Delich used this feminine form after he should not have done so. The word preceding this word in the Hebrew New Testament, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, is Ben, it's son. You can't have a son and then apply to it a feminine case 
verb. You can't do that. But yet he did it knowing exactly what was going on. Now, this verse in the KJV reads as such, And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found, and whom is all the desire of Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, it's extremely important that you realize what is going on with the mechanics here. This is directly tying the ashes of the red heifer to the Assyrian false prophet, son of destruction. Now, let's go back and look at this word separating here. What we see in the KJV is the man of sin that is to be revealed. You will take note, ladies and gentlemen, when you take a look at the Adito Regia, you have to come to grips with this, ladies and gentlemen. God is doing something you're not expecting. Because this word here, anathropos, it is used multiple times in the book of Revelation. But not in the place you're expecting it. This exact word is used in chapter 4, verse 7. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had the face as a man, and the fourth beast like a flying eagle. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is directly referring you to what you're not expecting. Because this word, in its proper form, is not man. It means a man visage. Looks like. Looked like a man. This is the fallen taking the form of a man. Beyond any shadow of a doubt. And you have to realize... This anathropos is also used in 1 Peter 3, 4. But let it be hidden, man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. Here that same word, anathropos, is used. So take note, ladies and gentlemen, Everything we're going to cover here tonight, the Bible emphatically infers very bad things about the tying with using the feminine case, which no one even thinks to look for. They don't even think to look for it, ladies and gentlemen. Most of your scholars are busy uh, giving you the Strong's numbers. They never think to look at the morphology. And that's what God is using here to get your attention. Now, you will take note once again that in this verse, he uses a word that he's wanting to, it to stand out. This rebellion. Now, here in this uh, verse once again for the KJV, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, it says the man of sin to be revealed. 
Or the New American Standard Bible uses the man of lawlessness. This word in the Hebrew is marduoth. That is H4780. It means rebellion. I'm going to tell you where this case is used because here it has a prefix on it identical to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3. It is 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 30. I will read from the KJV. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, Thou son of a perverse and rebellious woman, do you not know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and into the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? This is prophecy exploding off the pages of the Bible, God's holy word. This may be a direct link to, well, ladies and gentlemen, it may be a cloven that is the mother of this false prophet. This word is also used in Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 38 out of the King James Version. And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. And I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. This can prophetically be seen as an overt reference to the future fulfillment of this prophecy when the Assyrian false prophet gets a thought into his mind and he turns around and looks into the beautiful land and invades it. So, with this in mind, you have to realize all the prophecy being played out here using uh, these particular words in the Delitz New Testament, tying directly back to the Assyrian false prophet. Now, let's look at another one. This false prophet, as it's spelled in the Bible. You're going to take note that those forms are very particular in the Hebrew. And if you don't think to look at them and their particular variations, you're not going to be able to see where God's going with it. And that is very important. Now, the false prophet, that phrase, is obviously in Revelation three times. It's in chapter 16, 19, and 20. However, we get more insight into what this false prophet is going to be doing because that exact forms of those words there in the Hebrew they also have some added letters to them but the two core words remain the same and the additions is off the chart take note for one of them there is a yod added at the end so it – imagine it like this. It puts the aleph in parentheses between two yods. But let me read the verse in the King James Version. 
How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are the prophets of deceit in their own heart. This stanza about these prophets are extremely important. This is the particular way that this Assyrian false prophet is going to, well, gain his title as false. Let me read verse 27. Which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. Ladies and gentlemen, we know the entity the false prophet is going to worship. It is the scapegoat. That is who is mentioned there, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take note that this comes screaming off the page, not just in the New Testament, not at all. You have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that, well... That word for anthropos, extremely important in its location. You'll take note that it's also in the scapegoat chapter, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 17. Reading from the Thompson translation of the Septuagint. There shall be no other man in the tabernacle of the testimony. From the time of his going in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out. When he shall have made atonement for himself and his household, for all the congregation of the children of Israel. You'll take note, ladies and gentlemen, that this stanza is for and to be done to the scapegoat. Right here is prophecy screaming off the pages of the Bible, God's holy word. It's absolutely amazing that people don't realize the fantastic amount of information contained just by God wanting you to see that these two are forever entwined. They're inseparable. So when you consult the text, you have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that's the best mechanical way to do it. Now let's take note. These two are forever tied together. Here we have the last and final time that false prophet is used in the Bible, God's holy word, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. And the devil who was seducing them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they are shall be tormented day and night for the ages of the ages. That was the Thompson. Let's try the KJV this time. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Ladies and gentlemen, all of the massive things here that's been revealed, just by being able to see the Bible source code itself, Absolutely fantastic. It's amazing the information that can be given when you know what the source code is and can consult it 
yourself. So, ladies and gentlemen, with this in mind, let's take a look at this son of destruction, this, well, this scapegoat. Where else is this used, this this strange phrase? You'll take note, it's in, well, John 17 and verse 12, KJV. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name that thou givest me, and I have kept the one of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. This is an obvious reference to Judas. But in the future, it means a whole lot more than that. Now you can see, ladies and gentlemen, this prophet is in fact a prophet that, well, turns turncoat just like Judas. So, it's very important that you be able to look into the Bible source code and all that it has to reveal. And it's absolutely off the chart, mind-boggling. I understand that everything that I'm referring to here is that it is the false prophet who's going to utilize the ashes of this red heifer. Let me talk a little bit more about something that I know what he intends to do with it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to realize that we know from the Septuagint that what is thrown into disarray with the regular sacrifice performed at twilight in the morning at twilight in the evening is that it's going to create time to be divided. That is H6387. There is a perfect alphanumerical anagram in the Bible, God's Holy Word, with that word. You can take the letters exactly like it's spelled there in Daniel, make an anagram of it, and those letters produce H6292. That is extremely important. You get a whole lot of prophetic information there. And this is information that you probably should write down, the verses I'm going to cover right now. Take note what's being stated. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 18. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offer it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth it shall bear his iniquity. So, ladies and gentlemen, what is this pertaining to? It pertains to a vow or free will offering. It's also in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 7. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable. It shall not be accepted. Do you keep hearing the word third day? Because I mentioned that word third day before in reference to a different tie-in with this Assyrian false prophet and the ashes of the red heifer. It's in also in Ezekiel chapter 4 and verse 14. Then I said, I, ah, 
Lord God, behold, my soul hath not been polluted, for from my mouth even till now I have not eaten of that which dieth of itself, or is torn in pieces, neither came their abominable flesh into my mouth. If you're familiar with the King James Version of the Bible, you realize that's exactly what Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verse 14, and 11, verse 8. And it is. It's that exact same word. This anagram for dividing. Acts chapter 10, verse 14. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. This is a specific reference back to Leviticus 7 and 19. Also, Peter states in Acts chapter 11, verse 8, But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, the prophetic information covered here is off the charts, and you need to write down the verses I told you. And the individual words I told you pertain to those particular verses. This is God using exact cases in form to give you further information. That the one who is going to utilize the ashes of this red heifer is to be the Assyrian false prophet, which is declinated from the beast, from the abyss, by way of the beast is quoted in these verses as masculine. The Assyrian false prophet, his counterpart, has to be feminine in order to differentiate between the two in the verses with which God is relaying the information. That's the most efficient way to point out to you that this beast from the abyss and his Assyrian false prophet are forever tied together. Once again, let me say this. You'll take note that with multiple Hebrew words, we came to those three days. And one of them involved something that I don't think anyone was expecting. And it's amazing to even, well, consider. It's amazing to even consider... But let's go over that one again because it – well, let's just do it in the KJV. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee? And on all thy father's house? Ladies and gentlemen, I know I've delivered a fantastic amount of technical data. I hope you understand now that the Assyrian false prophet intends to divide time with the ashes of the red heifer. When he does it, this coincides with the six-seal event. Take note, ladies and gentlemen. 
investigate the Septuagint Daniel, and you will see the word parallax used there in reference to the daily sacrifice. Like I stated, take note of the dates when this red heifer was born, the very day it was born, and exactly seven days later it was inspected on September the 3rd, and it was the very next day that the Temple Institute released only part of the information, only the information they wanted you to know. They in no means wanted you to realize this was in direct reference to what happened in the days of Noah with the pigeon. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, please study the Bible, God's Holy Word. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.